Welcome fitness enthusiasts, trainers, and wellness warriors to Recharge. I'm your host, Becky Cody, and I'm thrilled to have you join us as we dive deep into the heart of the fitness community, connecting professionals, and delving into the business of health and wellness. Whether you're a seasoned fitness pro, a budding entrepreneur in the industry, or simply someone passionate about leading a healthy lifestyle, you are in for a treat. On this podcast, we're not just talking about sets and reps. We are building a community, exploring the diverse facets of fitness, and uncovering the secrets to success in the ever-evolving fitness industry. Each episode, we'll be bringing you insightful interviews with leading fitness professionals, business experts, and community builders who are shaping the future of fitness. From nutrition trends to the latest in workout science and from building a thriving business to fostering a supportive community, we've got it all covered. But this podcast is not just about information. It's about connection. We want to create a space where you, our incredible listeners, can join the conversation. Have burning questions? Need advice on a fitness challenge? Want to share your success story or discuss a trending topic? Reach out to me on social media and we'll feature your thoughts and questions in future episodes. So lace up your sneakers and get ready for a journey into the heart of fitness. Whether you're here for the knowledge, the inspiration, or the camaraderie, you're part of a growing community dedicated to making the world a healthier, happier place. This is Recharge, where passion meets profession, and together, we're building a stronger, fitter, and more connected world. Let's jump into today's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Recharge. I became familiar with our next guest while watching her absolutely crush her social media game. She and I have a lot of mutual friends and acquaintances. We both love kettlebells. We're both RKC certified, and we both focus a lot of our attention on women in midlife. She shares the information she wished her mother had told her about the changes all women will inevitably go through as we enter perimenopause and menopause. This is a time when we're at our peak professionally. Some of us are parenting small children. Some of us are taking care of our parents as well. Meanwhile, we're sometimes really going through it physically and no one talks about it. It can feel isolating. And our next guest is trying to change all of that. Please welcome coach Tina Tang. Tina, thanks for being on the podcast. (laughs) I'm so excited. I am so excited too. Mm -hmm. Let's start with, tell me how you found strength training and why you eventually made it your career. I found strength training during a very contentious divorce. And it wasn't like I was trying to get my divorce body, how people think of it. It was, I'd been married for 10 years. I decided to leave the marriage. And so I was in my own apartment and it's a bit lonely, especially you're feeling very unsure what's going to happen next. And I would go to the gym across the street from my apartment, basically for social interaction and just something else to do besides, you know, being in my head. And I started taking group fitness classes. And prior to this, I had not done strength training. My traditional or my background is 
going on a treadmill for an hour while I was in college. And in my 20s, I'm like, oh, that's the only thing I knew how to do. I didn't even think I used any of those machines that are in the gym. So in the group fitness classes, you start, you know, they'll use dumbbells, maybe some body bars. And it was there that I kept asking the instructors questions like, well, how do I do this right? You know, you know, because they're they're cueing it, but then you're never sure if it's totally correct. And in a group fitness class, it's hard for a teacher to get to everyone. So I thought, you know what, I really want to learn more about how to do this right. And I didn't know if there were workshops or anything. I mean, back then, you know, that was like 10 years ago, there wasn't stuff. I don't think strength training was as hot as it is now. Right. So I decided to sign up for a personal training intensive. And back then, Equinox actually had a school as, as a side to their, to the gyms called EFTI Equinox Fitness, whatever training Institute. And you could take a month long intensive, like every weekend going for two days to learn about personal training. I did not know that it was really a feeder into their, into their gyms, but you know, they well done Equinox. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, Oh, this is great. I can learn all about uh, what a personal trainer knows. And that's actually how I got started into strength training as a career. And during that time, during the divorce, it was post financial crisis. Mm -hmm. So I was a jewelry designer at that time and had stores. Retail was doing terrible. I was going through a divorce. And in my head, I was like, oh, maybe I'll do some personal training on the side. And as we know, you can't, you can't just personal train on the side. If you want to grow your business, you have to you know, kind of go all in. Right. So I, after I took that course, I was like, let me just work at Equinox for a little bit. And that's how it all got started. So how did you transition from being a, in a big box gym to now you're untethered and you're independent? I get that question from young trainers, like, should I work in a big box gym? And I think Becky, do you, did you start out in a big box gym too? I did not. I did not. Oh, you did I'm not. One of the few. Okay. Yeah. So like the pros and cons, pro is a place like Equinox or Crunch, they um, have trainers that they hire that have little experience because they turn through trainers. Mm -hmm. But what is great is that they provide a lot of education. Right. So in working there, they always have some kind of expert coming, giving more continuing education for their young, uh, still hungry to learn trainers. And you, we would have physical therapists talking about like, you know, how to work with clients. If they're injury, you'd have a kettlebell uh, courses. So they would get different certifications discounted for a trainer. So it was a great place to learn how to be a trainer um, and also to be, have a community of people doing the same thing, pretty much in the same boat of, of, of even where you are in your career. But uh, because prior to that, I worked for myself and I just, I think I kind of knew I, I can't, I don't want someone else telling me what to do. And then also if you run, worked for yourself, you know, you have your own set of morals, how you like to run a business, how you like to treat people. And I just didn't like everything about it. Right. Um, so after three years, I was like, I'm out. I'm, I'm just going to go solo. Cause you then you get a long time. Three years is a pretty decent amount of time. It is. And when people stay longer, I'm always blown away. Like, yeah. wow. Right. Cause it, in a different way, it sucks your soul. I, I was just going to say, there's only so much time that you can work against your values. And yes. especially having been and working for yourself before, you had already established those. Yes, because before when I was a jewelry designer for 10 years, I had my own stores, I had my own staff. Um, and then I just had, a, 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 we all have a set of core values or even business ethics of how we run. And it's not that one is bad or one is good, but you just run your your things a certain way. Sure. And, and working there, having 
you know, in the beginning, it's all about learning. But then after a while, you're like, this doesn't align with how I would do things. Yeah. And and then that's why I decided I went on my own. And it's changed a lot since then, because in the very beginning, it's very hard sure. to build your business unless you have like a big book. But even then, not everybody is going to not every client will leave the gym because in the end, a lot is about convenience. Mm-hmm. I like to, I think about this a lot, like someone can love working with you. But if it doesn't work in their schedule, if it's not close to them, you know, you can't, it, they're not necessarily going to work with you. And that's because they're not, they don't not, not like you. Yeah. It's just, it doesn't work for them. It's a hard truth to swallow sometimes, but it's true. It's not personal. Most, mm-hmm. mostly. Yeah. Um, so Tina, you are very open about how you figured out you were in perimenopause in your forties. And that was around the time that you were building your strength training business. Um, yes. tell me the signs and symptoms you experienced and then what happened next. So I want, I'm so glad we're talking about this because I don't want anybody to go through it. And even now I still, still think with the popularity of talking about menopause in the news or, you know, in editorials, it's still, people still don't know enough. So I think any symptom that I experienced, I didn't even know was a symptom until now being post-menopause. I'll name the symptoms that I know now were signs of it. But back then I just was like, oh, this is weird. So one of them was I started to have thinning hair. I never had like a thick head of hair, but Mm -hmm. it would start to, it was thinning. And I thought, am I not taking the right vitamins? Like, I don't really know but it's very common. And I don't know if you've ever been on a train or something when you see an older woman, you see how you, how her hair's th- kind of thinning on top. Yes. Cause I just thought some people had that. No, it's, it's very common and it is related to estrogen decline because okay. there are estrogen receptors in our hair follicle. So when we have less estrogen, it's going to affect that. So that was one thing. Um, the second thing is, and I know people don't want to talk about this, but this is very common, is your libido changes. And so I never really had a libido issue. Uh, like, I, like literally, I felt like I just had a normal, healthy sex, you know, sex drive. Mm-hmm. But then uh, probably in my late 40s, I was like, oh, that's weird. It's when I say libido, it's not necessarily even like wanting to have sex um, with someone else, even the desire to masturbate changes. Cause then you're like, Oh, okay. Something is right. uh, a little different Then you're like, Oh, something wrong with me. But no, that is also a legitimate thing that um, people don't necessarily talk about loud. But if you ask a gynecologist who's certified, they're like, yeah, that's totally normal. Okay. And if you, and I interviewed this one sex therapist every month on my podcast and she talks about it. She goes, Oh no, it's totally normal. Like when you get past a certain age, it has to be a conscious effort uh-huh. and, and thought process. As in like, you have to get yourself in the mood. It's just not like when you're 20 and you can like all of a sudden be whatever, but mm-hmm. it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's like everything else getting older. You have to be more thoughtful about it. Right. I'm trying to think that. And then the biggest one, which I think let me know that something was very different. So I probably started my symptoms, maybe I'm guessing 46, 47, Mm -hmm. but didn't know it. But it was when I was 49 and I was visiting my parents and the first night of staying over at their house and they live like a few hours away, I couldn't fall asleep. So I was pretty much awake, you know, all, all night just tossing and turning. And then the next day I was like, okay, you know, I'm exhausted. I'll, you know, hopefully I can sleep tonight. And then I just could not fall asleep. And then it just became a thing. And I think when that first started, it was probably like five days straight where I literally would start being like, let me try a different room. Let me try sleep in the basement where it's cooler. And maybe I'd sleep for a couple hours. Um, 
And that just started on this path. Where I'm like, why am I waking up really early or not even able to fall asleep? Mm-hmm. And for some women, the, the insomnia that comes during perimenopause is because they have hot flashes. So that wakes them up. And for some, it's just this, you know, the, um, our estrogen and progesterone do affect, it, I think we never think about how it's not just, they're not just sex hormones. It, those, it makes sense that the body's so efficient. Those hormones affect so many things in our body. Like I said, your hair, your skin. So your skin becomes less elastic because of estrogen decline. So that's what it is when people get older and you have like wrinkles. Um, it has to do with estrogen. Progesterone affects our sleep. So sometimes during this time, uh, if you can't fall asleep or you're starting hot flashes, one of the remedies that a doctor will give you is hormone HRT, hormone replacement therapy. And all it is is probably like the pill. It's a little bit of progesterone, a little bit of estrogen that you're, that's, you know, right at a certain amount. So it's regular, you know, regular and regulated that helps uh, certain symptoms. Hormone replacement therapy. This yeah. Is and I think that you've done. I tried it yeah. for when, when I had insomnia. So when I, um, okay, actually let's back up and talk yeah. about the doctors cause this matters. Yeah, it does. So I want everyone to know that, uh, I'm not trying to bad, but, but if you talk to any gynecologist or any doctor, like how much education did you get in med school about menopause? Mm-hmm. They'll say maybe an hour, right? right? So an hour. Um, and there's even an article in AARP that I want people to look up and let me see what the name of it. It's called what doctors don't know about menopause. So it's written in AARP, you know, for yeah. all us people over 50. Um, and it talks about, uh, they've, they've done surveys with, with doctors, like how much education you get. So just cause you have a gynecologist doesn't mean your gynecologist is going to know what you're going through. So when I was going through the insomnia and I went to my previous gynecologist, he literally said to me, he's like, Oh, well, you're just gonna have to suck it up. So, and then a couple other things I've read and he literally, it was terrible. So I eventually, well, this is the resource that everyone should go to. Yeah. A, a gynecologist or doctor who actually understands menopause, understands the different symptoms you might have, understands if these symptoms are affecting your daily life, like so badly, like where you can't sleep and you're literally a zombie the next day, the options that you have to treat the symptoms that are really affecting your daily life is going to be a menopause certified doctor. And you can find your local one on a nonprofit website called menopause.org and they have a directory you can search by uh your city or like zip code and then from there you can even filter and then you you kind of have to manually do it figure out who's who takes your insurance but all these doctors had to go through rigorous training and i only know that because i had interviewed a local one for um the panel that i did and i was asking her about it and she said the test to pass that certification to be menopause certified she goes it's actually she goes it was surprisingly very rigorous she goes i had to study a lot for it wow so i think every woman who's over 45 if your doc you might not be sure whether your doctors um they don't have to be menopause certified but you'll know when when you ask them certain questions whether they really understand because i've had friends be like oh i talked to my gyno talking about like how he'd weight gain or the thinning hair and they're like well I don't know what to tell you so that doctor is not for you you need it's time to graduate to another doctor that you're going to use for this new part of your life because a good doctor will tell you like okay well these are three options that you have um and there's not necessarily a right or wrong one it's gonna be like 
uh, everything has risks, risks and benefits. It's each person kind of decides what, what are you willing to, you know, what's, what are you willing to tolerate? Or what do you, what do you want to do about it? Right, right. So that's how uh, a doctor visit with somebody who is certified in um, dealing with menopause would be different mm-hmm. than somebody who is, you know, more responsible for looking after you um, mm-hmm. as you're having a baby. <laughs> yes, yes. And then the reason, I mean, it's, it's logical that they talk about like they, they focus a lot on med school because uh, there's more money mm-hmm. in in work being an OBGYN dealing with people having babies versus, you know, menopause because then menopause is just like, you know, they're prescribing stuff, they're giving suggestions, but you know, it's not this like longer term, you're coming every other month to visit them for something. Right. I get it. It's, right. you know, they're still, they still have to um, run a business. Right, right. Yeah. So we talked about sleep and that's probably the biggest complaint mm-hmm. that I hear from the women who I train who are in their forties mm-hmm. and going through this change. Uh, what kind of yep. advice do you have for uh, women who are really I think that there's like a, there's a huge trend and it's a very positive one of women who Mm -hmm. are over 40, who are now strength training and really getting after it in the gym. And then we like hit this stage of life and we're not sleeping and we feel terrible when we wake up. Um, what kind of advice do you have for us going through that type of change and just still trying to train around it? So these are, I can get into the nitty gritty of like uh, when it's a very serious issue of sleep, but I think in the beginning, even though we don't want to think about the easiest ones, there are like the bigger rocks is how you deal with your sleep hygiene, which I don't like that word. We'll we'll call it sleep rituals. What Mm -hmm. are your sleep rituals? I think if anything, when we get older, everything we do gets amplified. Like uh, having a couple glasses of wine. I stopped drinking. People are like, oh, it's because I'm like, no, it's because I literally had the worst sleep would be get horrible sleep after even one glass of wine. That's that the only matters. reason I quit drinking. Yeah, it so everything just get, yeah, absolutely. So even with your sleep rituals, I think at night, I notice that if I eat sweets, like, and I like sweets, but if I'm eating it and I will consciously eat it, I'm like, I really want it. But then I'm like, I'm going to have horrible sleep, like having sleep, uh, sweets close to bed, drinking, mm-hmm. but even the more daily stuff, are you scrolling your phone? And I know we all shouldn't be scrolling, but I really try to put it in a different room. Mm-hmm. But it's all these things that are not creating a peaceful environment for you before sleep. And and I know it sounds so um, like it's talked about, well, sleep hygiene. But literally, when you work with a sleep doctor, which I did, so that would be um, someone, they actually have a special school and certification uh, on just sleep. I did that too. What you did? I what did. do you mean you went? I did. I was in my twenties, so this isn't like this isn't a perimenopause thing. This is just uh, mm-hmm. I had a terrible time in my twenties, and I had insomnia for a number of months. And finally, mm-hmm. I had to do something. And my doctor gave me Lunesta, and that was a terrible idea for me because it just it messed with my mood the next day. That was just my personal experience. So mm-hmm. I ended up in cognitive behavioral therapy with an insomnia specialist, and it I it was probably fifteen years ago at this point maybe less. Yeah. Um, and I can't remember exactly what we did. All I know is it changed my behaviors so that I don't have the same issues that I had before. Yes. Um, so for anyone listening, um, the American College, uh, wait, the College of American Physicians, whatever it like, it's a very uh, conservative governing body uh, for physicians. They're, they say the number one treatment for insomnia is not any kind of supplement. They're like, it's cognitive behavioral therapy yeah. because the results are long lasting. And what it, what it is, is when we have insomnia, it, our brain just starts to associate sleep with 
uh, tossing it like he remembers that like oh i'm having struggles oh oh my god if i go to bed am i gonna wake up tomorrow so it's about training your brain to associate differently and that's why they always say when i was saying sleep hygiene your bed is for sex and sleep and if you do other stuff in there the brain starts associating and i'm still it's not like i'm perfect i still like to watch netflix in bed but that's what associates like oh getting in bed watching netflix mm-hmm. you know that kind of thing but mm-hmm. if you have serious sleep issues you have to remember like the bed should be sleep sleep and sex and that's it and the brain needs to learn that over time easy two s's <laughs> yeah. exactly I think we're going a little bit longer than your normal podcast. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. That's fine. The people want it. I get these questions all the time. So the next biggest complaint that I hear from my female clients going through perimenopause mm-hmm. and menopause is sudden weight gain, and it's in places that they've never carried weight before. Um, yeah. So what kind of information and insight can you offer about this? I was thinking about this, and I think, honestly, no matter what you read, I don't think anyone has an answer why. Yeah. Um, there, there's hormone changes going on, hormone changes as in, Hormones are fluctuating, but fluctuating, always going lower, lower, and lower. Estrogen has a big role in where and how we store fat. So I think that's probably a big role. I know there's been studies saying that, oh, metabolism actually doesn't change until you're in your 60s. But um, no, but I still think with how could how could our body not be affected with hormones when when our moods are affected, our sleep is affected. Of course, you know, where our body stores fat and how it stores fat is affected. So I think now's the time. A book that I really I don't know if you've read um, but if you haven't, I recommend everyone is called Next Level by Dr. Stacy Sims. She's one of the few, she's an exercise physiologist and an exercise uh, nutrition scientist. She's, um, she's written a couple books, but what makes her stand out from the rest is she only looks at studies that deal with women. So a lot of studies on intermittent fasting, like if you look at the, the population that they use, it'd be like young college males. You know, it's like yeah, always <laughs> d- different body than than a female. So you know, so she looks at studies in terms of nutrition, exercise, always females, and she's um, I think she's postmenopause because next level is about perimenopause, postmenopausal women uh, who are athletic. Mm-hmm. So like things she emphasizes in order to manage metabolism and these body changes is strength training, but not the way we necessarily think of group fitness classes. Um, but like she wants you to go be like heavy lifts, right? Heavy lifts, low reps. That's one part. She is all, she shows like the research and science behind, behind, and I know you do this in adding plyometrics oh, in. Yeah. And, and that is, she goes, it shows that it really helps your bone density. It's not just heavy lifting, but that bouncing, you know, of your bones and your, your body weight against gravity is really helpful for, for bone density and also for, um, I guess, managing your glucose, like the way things turn into fat. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a HIIT workout, it's not like, we're not talking about like five days, but you know, so it's a little bit of plyo, uh, regular heavy strength training, and uh, a little bit of HIIT training, all for the purpose of managing metabolism, weight, uh, and the creation of muscle. How much HIIT training do you recommend? Like how many days per week? Um, so what she usually, uh, what she recommends, I think is like, I think it depends on the person's level too. Mm-hmm. So we'll say two to three, but you're not talking about five straight days. I know these, a uh, lot of people might go to a hit class and right. they're doing five days a week, Exactly. but, um, that's where they talk about, 
how when you don't want to have like high cortisol levels, I mean, we have cortisol, high cortisol levels from exercise or whatever, but it's like temporary, but you, um, the difference is when we get to a certain age, like postmenopause, you also need to think about your recovery. recovery. Cause I can think about like recently when I try to do two workouts a day and then probably, you know, five, oh, maybe a little bit longer years ago, if I did, uh, two workouts a day, like Maureen, I, I think I'd be okay next day. Mm-hmm. Literally I'm the next day I'm, it, you know, I'm spent. So yeah, yeah, out of commission. So the recovery isn't important, but I think the idea of HIT, um, the way she defines it and with the research, it's not the way we think about like a 50 minute HIT class. She's talking about high intensity where the the bout is less than 20 minutes because you can only go 85% of your maximum effort nobody can sustain that for an hour no right so it's like you know it's like hit it hard you know rest hit it hard rest it's like the literal traditional word of tabatas are hit mm-hmm. so no um disrespect to barry's boot camp but that's not hit <laughs> right because you're not going to 85 effort. yeah 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 okay. glad we cleared that up <laughs> All right. So another thing that comes up often is I'll meet somebody who is, uh, you know, menopausal or perimenopausal who's in their forties or fifties and who's interested in building muscle. And the next question is, is it too late for me to build muscle? Oh, of course not. We of know that not. it's not, yeah, never. Um, it's always better. Yeah. It's better. It's harder when we're post-menopause or even like, you know, towards the tail end. So like perimenopause is all those years before your period ends. When your period ends, you're postmenopause officially. So it gets a little harder, but no, it's never too late. If anything, someone who's done nothing will probably show, will probably show the greatest progress in terms of, you know, having started from nothing and, and being consistent with it. Yeah. Um, this has all been really great. And I think that what we all need sometimes is just a little bit of hope to cling on to. Um, we need to know that there's action that we can take to get back on track. Um, so what are like the top three action steps that you would recommend for people who really want, who really feel like they're struggling at this time in their life? Okay. I actually created four for you all. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) The number one thing you, everyone needs to do is find the right doctor because literally as you're going through stuff, you want to have a medical professional that you can, someone who's certified in menopause to act or even, and even if you're not married, even if you're not postmenopausal, but you're in post 45, 45 and older, you want to have a doctor who knows all these things because if it's the thinning hair or the other, another symptom, a lot of people get, they're also not going to talk about, but I just remember my mom saying something to me once and I was like, what's she talking about? She had said to me, use aloe vera down there. Oh, and I was like, dryness. I was like, what's she talking about? Yes. Uh-huh. So vaginal dryness is very common. Um, and you, there's, there's suppositories, there's things you can do. It's not, you know, but, but if you have a great doctor, you can talk to them about it. They'll be like, Oh, you can do this or you can do this. So the number one thing is you need to have your medical ally. Number two, I was like strength training and start now because as women, we need it for our muscles and our bones because post-menopause, 60% of women have either low bone density or osteoporosis because that also affects our bones uh, immensely. Three is to dial into your protein intake, which we hear all the time on the gram, I know. But it really affects us as women because it gets harder to build muscle and you need protein to help you build the muscle. And as any person, woman or uh, male or female getting older, protein just gets harder to digest when we get older. So we really need to think about it. And the last part 
I talk about on my feet alive, really work on building your community around you. When I mean, I'm talking about your long-term friendships, mm-hmm. because more than like strength training and all that stuff, it, it's so key to our mental health and just, you know, feeling, feeling unalone as you get older. Yeah, I love that. Um, so Tina, we met in person finally at uh, a deadlifting workshop um, that I absolutely loved. I've been to various movement workshops and certifications, and sometimes they're too big and sometimes they're too small. And this one was just right. I felt um, you had two instructors. It was yourself and Eric, and I just loved it. And I loved that it was a mix of trainers and also regular people who were just looking to learn a new skill. And so you've got a back squat workshop coming up in a few weeks. So tell me about that, when it is and who it's for and where it is. Oh yeah. I'm so excited about it. It's again, um, for fitness professionals or non-fitness professionals, because we don't really, outside of spending a couple thousand dollars on a barbell certification, you don't learn, you know, basic things like how do I, how do I cue this for my client? Mm -hmm. And then for someone who's not in fitness, like how do I do a back squat properly? I also don't want to spend thousands of dollars to go to some like, uh, 48 to 72 hour certification because it doesn't need to be that long. You just need to know the exact steps and then it's just practice. So um, that's coming up on Saturday, February 24th in New York City at the training lab. It will be me and coach Eric, uh, Eric Salvador. Yeah, highly recommend, highly, highly. If you're looking to learn a new skill like back squatting, which you should be doing, um, this would be great for you. You also have a 10 day workout challenge that you've opened up. What is this and how does it work? Oh, I can't wait. It's been a while since I did one. Uh, It's for someone who's not a beginner, but uh, has been finding problems being consistent with their workouts. And your life would be much easier if someone be like, here are the workouts you're doing. I'm going to be checking in on you. Um, And that's essentially, we're going to do that for 10 days. And hopefully um, people will either work with us after, or they will continue on working like they feel inspired to continue on what they've accomplished during the 10 days. Awesome. And oh, that'll be on, that's on my website, okay. on my Instagram. Yeah. Which is my next question. Where can we find you? What's your Instagram? My Instagram is ironstrongfit, or you can head to my website, ironstrongfitness. Um, you don't mind me telling, I also have a podcast, which kind of talks about the menopause and different things. I call it, it's called Tina's Survival Guide to Health Over 40. And we talk about menopause. I talk about how to build friendships. I've had uh, a sleep doctor on just all different things related to our life over 40. It's excellent. I can vouch. Well, thanks so much, Tina. This is really, really fun. I loved having you on here. And any questions, please send them my way or Tina's way. Please find her on social. Um, That's it for now. See you next time.